Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my friend, Kate Sweetman. And Kate is a two-time recipient of the Thinkers 50 Honors. For those unfamiliar with Thinkers 50, it's the Academy Awards of Business Thinking and is based in London. She's the co-author of two terrific books on leadership, The Leadership Code, which has sold over 70,000 copies in 15 language, uh, languages, and Reinvention, Accelerating Results in the Age of Disruption which has been critically acclaimed by the Irish Times, called it the best business book ever, which is pretty awesome. She's also authored many articles, been featured in the Harvard Business Review, has taught at Harvard Business School. And now, most importantly, she's been featured on this podcast. So Kate, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Delighted to be here. It is a great honor. <laughs> it is. Thank <laughs> you. And uh, I should also add, you are an American living in London, right? How long have you been over there? That's true. Actually, we've been here for a couple of years and we're signing up for another couple. So our, our adventure is extending itself. Cool. And you spent, you spent some time in Asia as well, right? I did. I did. Uh, my family and I lived in uh, Kuala Lumpur for three years. I was working for the Central Bank of Malaysia in an interesting capacity. We were doing really groundbreaking research on leadership in Asia leadership and followership. So another time, uh, we could talk about that one. Right. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot of interesting things in leadership, so many different you know, roles internally with companies, as well as, of course, all the work that you do and have done as a consultant. And you've written these two books, which I know is a ton of work. So uh, I'm curious, let's just start with that. You know, Maybe you can fill us in a little bit on your background and how you develop this great passion around the topic of leadership. Yeah, it's a yeah, passion of bordering on madness, I guess, right? <laughs> but I have come to the conclusion that leadership, this is going to be stating the obvious, I'm sure, to the kinds of listeners on this oh, wonderful program. But leadership really, it drives everything. You know, you can have the same business plan, you can have the same organization. And when you swap out the leadership, 
uh, not just at the top, but when you shift the leadership culture, it makes a gigantic difference in the outcomes, in people's experiences, you know, in every aspect of the business. And I read a statistic a few years back that just hit me between the eyes. And that has also really been driving me quite a bit, um, which is of the world's 100 largest economies, 52 are corporations. So when you think about the impact that corporations have on not just employees and customers, but the societies that they are operating within, the choices that their leaders make have tremendous impact on the world. So basically, I feel like we're working in a very, very important field. And that's what drives me. And if we're going to do it, we're going to try to do it as well as we can. Yep. So it's, it's worth doing uh, the research, the writing, the getting out there, the conversation. And how did you get to this place where you are now? Tell us a little bit about your sort of talent development, leadership development experience that led to you writing these books and doing all the client work that you're doing now. Oh, sure. Well, I think like a lot of people in this field, I, I blundered into it. Back in the day when I started working in this field, which is the 1990s, the early 1990s, leadership, even corporate development of the way that we think about it now was really quite new. People talked in terms of management, leadership was quite a new thing. And so, you know, I graduated from business school and I heard about this cool job and I applied for it and it sort of met my personal needs. It was, you know, creative and it was actually writing intensive and it was classroom work and it was just all these sorts of things. And it was idea driven. So it's all sorts of things I I liked. And so to my mind, it was just an experiment. I went to work for a place called the Center for Executive Development in Harvard Square. And I just really fell in love with it. And it's an endlessly fascinating field where for people like us, you know, and I'm sure your listenership, you never have the right answer. There's, There's always room to grow and push and move and shape new ideas. So it's kind of who I am. Nice. I like it. It just started the journey that went into all of this. And yeah, I just couldn't get away from it. I, yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't leave. I love it. I know there's a lot of great content out there. People can go back and take a look at it. I want to talk about your new research. And I'm curious to learn more about that. And what problem are you trying to solve? What are you, what are your findings so far? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're really excited about it. When I came back from Malaysia, I took a, a which was 2014. I took a bit of a sabbatical. I needed to sort of regroup and rethink about what was I going to do in sort of the next phase. And I re-encountered a guy who I'd worked with previously, a guy named Shane Cragen, who's now my partner. And he was on a sabbatical at the same time too. And where I really had, I've really devoted my life to leadership pretty much. He does leadership. He also does a lot of change management. And he was on a sabbatical going through the same self-examination that I was, which is why is it that the stuff that we're thinking about teaching feels kind of dated? Is it that we're not fresh or is it the material isn't fresh or is that the world has changed? Yeah. And we did a lot of work to find out what the best thinking was. And we realized that the world had really changed. And of course that was 2014, 2015. Here it is 2020 is really changed even more. But that query embarked us on a quest. And that's why we started doing the research that we did. 
Got it. Okay. Well, tell us about that. Because I mean, the world's changing all the time. We can listen to you. Yeah. Yeah, the world has changed, but the world of leadership has really changed. And it sounds like you're saying it, it's made a pretty big shift. So tell us about this new world of leadership. Exactly. In fact, we thought maybe we just weren't getting it because I used to be an editor at Harvard Business Review. I went to my colleagues there and said, hey, you know, who's doing the really interesting work in terms of reframing leadership? You know, back in the 90s, not to be a total leadership wonk uh, on this call, but, you know, back in the 90s, early 90s, when leadership was really just coming onto the scene because of globalization, we had these, you know, greats like John Cotter and uh, Ron Heifetz, Jim Collins, you know, who were really, really rethinking what does it mean to be a leader in the era in which we're in? And so my question was, who's doing that now? Who's really reframing how we think about the work that we do and how we need to lead people and where people need to go? And what I was told, and I really believe it is, that work hadn't really been happening. For whatever reason, that really uh, fundamental reframing of how we approach leadership hadn't happened. There was fabulous work going on, kind of product line extensions, you know, of of all the the subcategories, like emotional intelligence and teamwork and all that stuff, but not so much this. So we said naively, well, you know, we'll do that. And so we embarked on a study and we said, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. So we set research parameters. We went to 40 different countries. We looked at 40 industries. We talked to all sorts of different kinds of people, certainly talent development people, heads of HR, CEOs, digital transformation managers, uh, millennials, uh, people who are really, really knowledgeable about the new technologies that are coming down the pike. Because really what's happening, as you said, there's you know, change is not new. The world has always been changing. And, and we all know about the VUCA acronym, right? We all know that it's, there's questions of velocity and right. that have been changing. But really, to our mind, what is distinctive about this new area, about this new era, which of course some people are calling the, the fourth industrial revolution, is just the convergence of all this incredible newness around technology, materials, business models, you know, the platform-based business model. I mean, all of these things are happening at the same time. And it's the leaders throughout the organization who can figure out how to navigate and harness not just the speed and ambiguity and all that, but this all this convergence to come up with really amazing new ideas and solutions that make the difference. You know, you and I talked before and and uh, I know one of the things you've studied are these barriers to change and the world is changing faster than it ever has before. The world of work is changing faster than it's ever had before, but it's also never going to be this slow, right? It's changing all the time. And yet there's a lot of people that are businesses that are seemingly resistant to change. What are the top barriers to change for businesses or for leadership right now? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And to help people crystallize in their own minds, whether they're, they have been sort of change agile, you know, or change willing, we actually had a, a key question, a sort of acid test question for our research was this. This is the question we started on all of our interviews. If Elon Musk were to target your industry for disruption, would your organization have the leadership skills to survive? 
And we asked this question all over the world. And it was very attention-getting, eye-popping for people because over and over and over and over again, we heard, oh, no, we would not survive. If someone of that sort of extremity were to come to our insurance industry, our financial services industry, our real estate industry, our pharmaceutical industry, if somebody that radical were to come and they could happen, we would be out of business. So I should just say that by way of preamble. And then the question becomes, you know, why? Why is that? What, you know, what gets in our way? So that's the question that you just asked. And, you know, above all else, above all else, it's what we call blindfolds that we put on ourselves. It's a mentality that does not allow us to see reality clearly, that does not allow us to act on even what we know. Right. Because for a number of reasons. Yeah. And I love that question. You know, you and I talked about this before. I do have done something similar. We run a program with some clients where we kind of pose the question, what would happen if, if Jeff Bezos and Amazon came into your space yeah. and uh, decided that we're going to disrupt this industry or this company? You know, Would you be prepared for that? Would you be able to handle that? And there's a few companies that maybe, yes, they would be ready, but a lot of them, no, because they don't have that innovative culture. They don't have the kind of culture where they think about disruption. A lot of them are complacent. They're thinking, we've got this figured out, or we're too big and slow to make changes, or that's just never going to happen to me, right? Amazon's not going to come into our space, which, by the way, you've been paying attention to the last few years. Yeah. Amazon, there's nothing that they won't consider entering. Absolutely. And the ones that they will most want to enter are the ones that have been asleep at the switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's strategy 101, right? I mean, they're going to come into the places that have allowed, that are not innovating that have, you know, sort of fat, dumb, and happy, right? Those are the ones that they're going to go after. Yeah. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is brought to you by Advantage Performance Group. We help organizations develop great people. For more information about this podcast and Advantage Performance, you can go to advantageperformance.com slash hot seat. And now on to the show. So, you know, we're talking about companies and leaders maybe not being ready for this. Let's make this practical for our listeners, most of whom are in talent development, learning development, leadership development roles or consulting roles of somebody. How can they help equip their leaders, help their organizations uh, or cultures change to become more agile or more open to innovation and preparing for these changes and for disruption? Yeah you need to understand where it is you're trying to get to, right? Where you want to go. And one of the major findings of our new research, we have sort of five major findings, but probably the core finding that the other findings attach to, you know, or serve. And this is very relevant to the people who are responsible for leadership development and talent development is that we've got to move beyond this idea that we're about sort of engaging our workforce, which depending on how you define it can be a bit of a lukewarm measure. And we look not just to the business world, but also just to the larger world where great changes have happened, you know, great positive changes have happened. And we would say, you need to recalibrate that effort away from engagement to actually inspiring a movement. 
where what you're doing is getting people so excited about what they're doing and the possibilities for positive change that they can't not do it. You know, we looked at things like, you know, the Ukrainian revolution. We also looked at clients of ours who had burst through whatever metrics they had set for themselves, even in terms of like a product launch, because of the level of excitement and enthusiasm and buy-in and ownership and sense of purpose that they were able to create in their people unleashed just enormous amounts of energy. So keeping a very high standard for our leaders around the inspiration that they provide for people. Right. And I don't know about you, but most leaders don't view that as their job. They don't view inspiration as their job and they have to. So you're saying that I heard you say companies need to move away from driving engagement and more to inspiring a movement. So it's not enough to just be engaged in your job at work, but it's really about that cultural excitement or igniting that movement. And that's something that needs to come obviously from leadership, but that talent professionals need to be thinking about that as well. Exactly. I think that they're in a tremendously important position of helping to raise that bar you know, raise that bar and helping people to understand that that actually is their their responsibility. And the reason why we say it, you know, inspire movement is because the changes that people are going to be having to go through can be very large and very rapid. They can demand a lot from people in terms of taking on new skills, new attitudes, new beliefs, new behaviors. Uh, you know, mothers lift Volkswagens off the car, off their children, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> when sufficiently inspired. You know, in some places, that's really what it takes. It's a more extreme emotional place where actually I think a lot of people want to live. Mm. Just to give an example, I was working with a company. They were uh, a pharmaceutical company and they were doing a product launch. Now, you would think that that's a fairly ordinary thing, right? It's a lot of work. uh, It's complicated. But, you know, it's the kind of thing that they do over and over. Now, for a variety of reasons, this particular product launch was of great importance. It was actually just larger. You know, the, the potential opportunity was larger than normal. And for a host of reasons, it was just very different. Hmm. So the leadership, it was a, a guy, a, you know, a man who was very experienced in the field. It was um, eye medication. And then he partnered with a woman who was a PR person, but not particularly expert in, you know, this dry eye thing. And they said, what we're going to do above all else is inspire our people. What we're going to do all else is get them so excited about the possibilities that they will, you know, blow the doors off the metrics that we've been given. Anyway, there's a, there's a lot of things that they did that were really amazing, but they did some very specific things. So one of the things they did was they said, we hired for attitude. We only wanted people on this project who came predisposed for enthusiasm. (laughs) Number two, this is for a product launch team. They brought in inspirational speakers for the product launch team. Number three, they gave them Ritz-Carlton training on how to to deal with each other, Um, you know, how to speak to each other, how to treat each other really well. Number four, they bounced people who did not have enthusiasm. You know, the list goes on. They did all these things. And oh, four, they were very inclusive. Um, In fact, I ended up writing a case about these guys. Um, One of my favorite interviews was 
I talked to a guy who is the chief financial officer and he was so funny. He said, you know, normally I'm the last person anybody wants to talk to because, you know, I'm always the one who says, no, we can't afford something. Um, He said, but you know, these guys, they made me just a part of the team and I was in on every meeting and I got to meet the doctors and I got to bring my opinion in on, on topics that had nothing to do with finance, but that they just wanted, you know, good thinking about. And he said, I worked 56 days straight on this project and I couldn't wait to go in every day because I have never in my life felt so important to something. And then when it finally got to the point where they had to say, hey, how big is the sales force going to be on this thing? I wasn't saying no to anything that I that didn't make perfect sense to everybody else. And I was saying yes to a lot of things because I really, really understood what was going on. So that's just one example of uh, a lot of lessons and ac- actions that great leaders take to just get absurd amounts of enthusiasm and inspiration going for the projects that, that require people to do extraordinary things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as we start to wrap this up, I'm curious, you know, especially as you're involved in this area of disruption and the fourth industrial revolution and how companies and leaders are responding, are there any big trends you're following in kind of the learning and development space uh, that we haven't talked about so far? Yeah, we use every possible method that we can, you know, when we're working with clients. In fact, we're, we're working with a client right now that we've got, you know, five different streams going. We're creating their own proprietary case study to launch the right discussions. We've got workshops going, we've got coaching going. We're actually doing some external publishing with them because that's also very exciting to them. But we're also really diving in deep into the digital world you know, not just uh, MOOC kind of stuff, but we're, we're partnering with a wonderful partner in Silicon Valley to really take digital learning to the next level. And this, the standard that we've set for ourselves or the challenge that we've set for ourselves is to be teaching learning as they do their work. I mean, teaching leadership as they do their work. So we're really looking into, you know, what are the most clever ways that we can fully integrate leadership support, feedback, coaching, while people are actually doing their work. And this involves AI and it involves, you know, the latest technologies, as well as, you know, deep knowledge of content. So that's the trend that, you know, it definitely, you know, that's sort of the holy grail of what a lot of people are looking for these days, but we're optimistic that we have the right team and the right technology that we can really push that forward. Right. Absolutely. Uh, that's fantastic. And as we think about talent development professionals, uh, you know, those out there who are working on these things, um, embracing these trends, trying to help their leaders What's one more piece of advice you would give to them to help them be more successful in their role? Well, I recently read some research, which I can't mention the authors of because it's not out there yet, but it was really fascinating. And what it said was that the talent developers, leadership developers, you know, HR people who are being most effective these days are not being shy at all about really meeting the human needs of their employee base. And it was, it was pretty interesting what this said, which is that oftentimes 
And I think there's a lot of reason, historical reasons for it. HR people, talent development people are more focused on kind of the hard numbers and process. And they're sometimes reluctant to be really, really strong advocates for meeting the human needs of their people, you know, making sure they feel included. And yet the people who do that get the best results. The other interesting thing about this research was that the other members of the senior leadership team actually want that from them. So I think that folks in these positions can really very much boost their impact by taking on the very human side of leadership and talent development even more than they already do. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. And uh, that's some great, you know, cutting edge research right there and, and definitely a way that, you know, talent leaders can step up and help themselves in their careers because people, things are continuing to change and we've got to be able to evolve with it and uh, continue to learn and get better, which includes listening to uh, awesome researchers like you, authors, influencers. Uh, Kate, I know you're out there doing a lot of great work. So I really appreciate you coming on to share some of your latest research. Um, for anybody listening that wants to maybe connect with you, get in touch with you or, or learn more, where's the best place for them to go or where should they do? I'm on LinkedIn, Kate Sweetman, LinkedIn. That's the best way to do it. Uh, love to connect that way. And by the way, thank you. I think that this podcast is fantastic. I think your guests are wonderful. And I imagine it's a it's a regular part of the of the learning experience of a lot of a lot of people out there. Awesome. Love it. Well, Kate, thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Have an awesome day. Okay. Thanks so much. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am always grateful for everyone who tunes in, who listens, who subscribes, and who have left reviews for our podcast on iTunes. By the way, if you haven't done that yet, it would mean the world to me. Head on over to iTunes, take one minute, write a quick review. It helps our podcast grow, and I really appreciate your support. As my gift to you, I have created a report of the top five trends impacting talent development this year. And if you haven't grabbed that report yet, you can head on over to advantageperformance.com slash trends. That's advantageperformance.com slash trends. You can download my report of the top five trends impacting talent development in 2019, as well as sign up for our newsletter to get updates on everything that is going on. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible, and we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.